0: everyone welcome back to talk for freedom Uh, we have ali again with us and chuck so we're uh, grateful that you came back and are listening to our next episode episode 18 uh yeah 18 episode 18 so we're just going to continue the conversation we appreciate uh, again ali being with us and uh, chuck let's kick it off
1: we're going to talk a lot about the why the why with trafficking, why it is, what's going on with it, and what's really happening today. So let's get started talking about that. What's the current issue with trafficking? What's currently going on with it?
2: Right, so I mean, I know that this is an international problem, but a lot of times, When we look at the headlines and and media that portray those international stories, not that those aren't atrocities, it allows many of us to remain unengaged and uninvolved in this fight because we think it's something that's happening over there. Right. But it's it's here. It's here in the United States. It's happening in our own backyard. Um, So unfortunately, um, American women and children are being enslaved uh, in their own hometowns, right? So for me, I was trafficked. I'm from Houston, Texas, born and raised in Houston, Texas, trafficked in Houston, Texas. So, I mean, these are the realities, especially in light of the opioid epidemic that is just decimating these small towns in the north and, and working its way down. I know it's, you know, fentanyl is coming across the border. I mean, these are the things that are realities that that fuel sexual expectation and are, are one of the drivers outside of sexual abuse and, and social economic statuses.
1: So in, in most reports, the United States is actually the highest rated country as far as demand. For sexual exploitation victims, mm-hmm. and then it also ranks very closely with supply of se- sexual exploitation victims. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, and it, and it is—it's a demand-based market, right? So it's just simple economics, um, and, and that's the thing that we often overlook: is that it's not just the supply side, right? It's it's the actual individuals that are purchasing sex that are driving this, right? So, um, without the purchase of sex, there would be no demand for it. So, and the same with sexual exploitation. So, I mean, with buyers there would be no prostitution without prostitution there would be no sex trafficking so this is all rooted in a culture that allows individuals to think it's okay to buy sex
1: and and i want to talk a lot about that we have a culture where you've already identified where it's okay for individuals to buy sex right can you talk a little bit about the roots of where this came from why it became okay to buy sex
2: right and so i mean this is i mean people say this all the time that you Know prostitution is the oldest profession. Well, in actuality, it's the oldest form of oppression, right? So, this goes back. I mean, you can find prostitution in the Bible, right? So, this has been going on for centuries and centuries, um, and eons, right? Since the beginning of recorded word, right? And it's all rooted in male patriarchy, right? So, all this is driven. There's a great um, theory called, uh, I think it's the Group group mute uh, is it group mute theory, but individuals that um, are not part of that male patriarchy system actually don't even have a voice in their own societies, and so this is all rooted in that toxic masculinity, sexism, um, and, and that's the unfortunate part about this. So we're actually building a culture through socialization um, and, and this the cultural norms that we're sending out and the way that that we're raising our boys and girls to be um, you know sexually exploited or buyers or even traffickers
1: right because we we've seen stories out there where you know young men are, are accused of doing something and and that there's a person that's the accuser of that and often what you see is is the accuser actually being revictimized being, you know called out like oh well, they've made up the story or they're 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 exaggerating or they're trying to just get attention mm-hmm. and very often it's not the actual accused that's getting that that heavy-duty cross-examination. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, and I think, I mean, just, I'm going to kind of go left field with that because a good example of this is, uh, say, Santonia Brown, right? So she actually, um, you know, killed a person that was sexually assaulted her, right? Um, And she was being sex trafficked. And she, um, you know, wasn't eligible for parole for, you know, nearly her entire life, adult life, right? She was sitting in prison um, while being trafficked and was a child right so but we also have a gentleman from baylor that is proven that he's sexually assaulted right women and he just gets to walk out right i mean that that's the system that we're working with here in our country so
1: and part of that system is the fact that the people that make the laws right are also the people with the disposable income Where buyers come from, is that correct?
2: That is correct, and that's something that I've noticed, and there's some great research out on that too as well, is um, we actually, I mean, historically across the nation we actually criminalize the individual that is a victim and not the person that's perpetrating and fueling sexual demand so um and that's the, that's a problem right so even in houston texas there's uh, dr pfeffer released some great research uh, that highlighted this right um that even the i mean the disparities with policing arresting and prosecuting is all aimed at the individual that's being sexually exploited so even if for now, I mean, there's a national John initiative that demand abolition has pushed out, and it's it's really started to sh- change and shape that conversation in a different way as far as going after individuals that bisex. But these are the individuals that can afford to walk or get their case dismissed. Um, even I just pulled, you know, some data from an individual and was looking at just the disparities between bond and bail. Right between, you know, the the individual that's sexually exploited has so many charges, so their bonds two thousand dollars. They don't have a dime, while this person's, you know, has all the money that he needs and can just walk out of jail.
1: Right, and so. Where are we heading with all of this? What what kind of society are we are we mm-hmm. producing with, where individuals that have resources can just walk out of jail, and individuals who've been victimized, you know, are being prosecuted,
2: right? And this, I mean, that's really at the root of it. It's about power structures, right? And who has the resources, who has the money, and who's being oppressed. And so, I mean, it's just it's the oldest game in the book right it's just a just pure oppression we do it with our criminal justice system we you know we oppress people through sexual exploitation through criminalization um, fines and fees i mean you know all we we criminalize poverty we criminalize victims uh, individuals that have substance abuse issues rather than getting them help they need um, and this is the society that we live in It is is all about power
0: because we see it as a problem right so you you have a problem you get rid of the problem right you don't you don't see everything else behind it you know like you said they're victims um, and so I guess that's that's a mentality that lawmakers usually have
2: right but it's also it's also affecting taxpayers right because mm-hmm. we're the ones paying for this right yeah um, so it would just make sense to have these individuals actually get the services they need rather than you know house them and have taxpayers pay for it right
1: it would actually make sense to have those individuals that are buying sex pay for those services too.
2: That's what I'm working on legislatively this session. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we can get a criminal fee in place. Um, not only does it send a loud mes- message that purchasing sex is inherently exploitive um, and that they are culpable for their actions, but also those fines would be used to fill the gaps in victim services.
1: Because, as you said, they have the ability to hire someone to walk out of jail. Yeah,
2: so why can't you pay to help someone?
1: Correct. Why can't you pay to help someone? Because as we do this, we have a separation between those with disposable income and those without. Right. And, And trafficking occurs where we have those with disposable income cohabitating with those without disposable income and someone wanting to access that disposable income by exploiting the group that doesn't have it.
2: Yeah, and that I mean that's at the root of trafficking, right? as well. Right. In our society, I mean that's just how things work, right? resources and power.
1: Resources and power, and what we're doing is we're revictimizing. Exactly. Those who have been victimized
2: right and there's a there's a benchmark study i don't know if it's a benchmark but it is at a national level that's coming out and i've reviewed it and i've actually cited it on some fact sheets that i plan to hand out to some legislators uh, this session but it hasn't been released yet but um i am able to comment on it um but it, it's a research uh, done around buyers and the illicit uh, demand market and so it has been found from that research that um, the individuals that are actually fueling the demand are not the one-time buyers or the two-time buyers, but the frequent buyers, right? And those, in, in order to frequently buy, you have to have money. So, in, an individual that is on a lower socioeconomic, um, you know, you know, spectrum is not going to be able to buy sex as frequently as someone that, say, might make a hundred thousand a year. Uh, and so, those are the ones, the high-frequency buyers. That uh, also can afford to get their case dismissed because they can afford that good attorney, right?
1: Right, and in turn, what makes sense is they can afford to pay the fine, so that someone can actually get some help.
2: Exactly, and you know, I really wanted to make it on a sliding scale, um, but I don't know, um, you know, what that what that might look like. So I'm working on the sliding scale component of that. Uh, I just hope that I can get some buy-in.
1: Because we have this mentality here in the United States of America that Mm -hmm. if you really want to do better, you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and that everyone has the same opportunities as everyone else and that all you have to do is apply yourself and work hard and pay your taxes and everything will be good. Right is right? that true
2: no i mean it is true for those that, that have that opportunity and when we talk about choices right nobody just wakes up and says hmm do i want to be a doctor a ballerina or do i want to be a prostitute right so i mean people just don't do that right and you know as we mentioned in the last episode it's like prostitution we we talk about you know after uh, you know prostitution is not a choice it's about the available choices that they have and so People are driven into those situations a lot of times because they don't have economic, uh, you know, choices, right? So their economic agency is already completely wiped from them. and, And a lot of them go into sexual exploitation or commercial sex work just to make ends meet, right, or feed their kids.
1: And it's proven in the studies that I've seen is that a young person that there's a huge difference between a young person that's born into a Caucasian middle class family as compared to a person of an ethnic minority that's born into a, like you said, the fifth ward.
2: Right, right.
1: That just starting right off that both of them are not equally... Have the same equal opportunities,
2: right? No, and, and I and I just shared this with a you know an individual that's working on a story. Um, I won't name that that media, but um, but. And I share this a lot because I had all the same, um, you know, experiences that a lot—not all, but similar experiences to the the kids that I serve, that I go into these detention centers, you know, repeated sexual abuse and rape, sexual, you know, assault under the age of twelve, you know, all those different things. Um, and, and then I also had all the behavioral issues that they did, right? Running away at age eleven, um, you know, ex- you know, doing survival sex on the streets because I had no resources, right? Uh, all those things. But the difference is because I came from a different different family that actually had some money right um and that cared right but also had money i got to go to a private mental institution while these kids are locked up
1: yes and then we wonder why they end up being revictimized.
2: victimized right Exactly, and so that's the problem too. This is about generational curses, right? This is about generational cycles. I mean, so now you got this kid that had a mom that was missing, um, that was involved in the, you know, was a foster kid, got involved in the juvenile adult system, and now is doing ten years in prison. And now her kid, who's fourteen, is in the foster care system and is in the juveniles. There, I mean, it's just repeated over and over and over, and we're doing nothing to address these needs, and and and. African American girls and boys are highly, highly overrepresented in all these systems.
1: Right, that's, it's oppression. Right, and 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 that that's that is a thing that's in place. I mean, it's even noticed by our state agencies. It's the fact that these minority groups are overrepresented right. within the foster care system, within the prison care system, right. and, and that makes a huge difference.
2: And, and I just want to share this because I'm pulling all this data from DPS on arrest records um, for. For my own purposes, and just kind of looking at that data and looking at um, you know the disparities and these things, and the interesting part about that is they don't even actually separate Hispanic and whites on that data. So how do you even know? How do you when we're looking at, at adults, right? So it'll have African American and white. What well, what portion of those are Hispanic? How do you track this stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is messed up. Like when I I sit on police things. Um, you know, in Houston, and watch individuals that are being arrested for prostitution. Almost all, almost all the ones on that sting were African American transgender, right? So we don't even talk about that, right? Yet you don't have a place on your arrest sheet, your booking sheet, that this person's transgender. So how do you provide services for a population that you're not even tracking?
0: Yeah, and those insights are super important. Right, you can't
2: do it without data. You can't Mm -hmm. get money. You can't get housing for these individuals if you don't even acknowledge they exist.
0: Right, and even if you
1: acknowledge that they exist, you get them into a facility that they're going to get help, but then they walk in and something as simple as they walk into the facility and there's a male and female restroom.
2: Right, right, right.
1: What's the message that they're getting there is... Right, exactly. I don't even count for a bathroom.
2: Right, exactly. Which, I mean, that is an extremely... Uh, vulnerable population and sex trafficking that we don't talk about a lot um, is is the transgender community. So I mean these these kids have been, and, and we had released an an ex, an extremely important report uh, through Texas Criminal Justice Coalition and their involvement transgender youth and in in others but transgender and and their experiences within the criminal justice system. Right. So it's just re exploiting this 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 community over and over and over again.
1: Especially if you have someone that identifies as female and but they're they they have body. Parts that are still male.
2: So that depends where you go.
1: Right. That can depend where you're at. Where
2: you're at in your operation, what you have as far as biology, you know, is where you're going to be housed.
0: Right. And I have to say this, regardless of your thoughts on, you know, that population, regardless of your thoughts on, you know, your sexual preference, who cares? It's not about that. It's about the person. It's about helping them. It's about providing them the services that they need. And to Take them from a disadvantaged situation and giving them the right. proper help.
2: Yeah, it's. A, I mean, this is a human rights issue, right? This is. I mean, these are human beings we're talking about, and they matter. They do. Everyone matters, mm-hmm.
1: and everyone can t- potentially make a difference in the society, good or bad.
2: That's right, but it starts in our communities, right? right.
1: It starts in our own in our own homes a lot of times
2: in our own minds and hearts, right? As well.
0: Yep,
1: okay. and. As we're talking about these individuals and how much they matter and how they are getting re-victimized over and over again, little simple fixes like, you know, maybe as I know in my house, I have two bathrooms. And one is on one side of the house. You know, there's another the side of the house. I don't have one with a sign on there that has a boy, and one we'll sign on there that has a girl. Right. Is that are, most people's houses are that way, right?
2: No, <laughs> that's <is> so <laughs> funny. I was just thinking about this, like, I because I walked into Starbucks in DC, and uh, you know, it, it doesn't show man or woman. It just has you know, bathroom or whatever, whatever the um, the graphic image they use, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know, and I actually I looked at that. I'm like, you know what? does it really matter what sign is out there and so like when i got back to houston and i walk into a restroom where i'm waiting for the restroom and the line for the women is out the door and i've really got to go well why can't i go to the bathroom that has men on it just because it has a sign forget that you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's a freaking bathroom
0: but it's our mentality we, we right it's, and those that. are the, the
2: those are the cultural norms mm. and messages and the socialization that is you know this is where all this comes from, right? So, as right.
0: someone it's about is culture hearing change. this,
2: we need culture change.
0: Yeah. As someone is hearing this, they're probably thinking, well, like, I don't want my daughter to go into a male restroom. You know, I don't want my son or my young teenager to go into a women's restroom because you hear all those stories, right, of right. pedophiles and people, you know, right. peeking and all that stuff. So, what what do you say to someone that's thinking that way?
2: Now, and I understand like if it's a stall restroom, I right. mean, I can understand that because I mean being a person that's been sexually abused, but when it's just one bathroom, you know what I mean, and that's a whole different issue. That yeah. that could be a whole different conversation because we talk about empowering kids and giving them tools to, uh, pr- you know, prevent them from being sexually abused and that that leads to sexual exploitation. You know what? There is nothing that you could have told me or given me or done anything that could have helped me as a five year old fight a grown man off of me. Yeah, I can't do it. There's nothing, you can tell me all you want, show me all the videos, talk to me all you want, but I can't keep a grown man off of me. So, I mean, this is about the culture, right, Mm -hmm. of people. And that it's, I mean, our society is is just fueling this stuff.
1: Right, our society is fueling a culture where those who have been exploited can be re-exploited whether it's sexually for labor right uh, economically socially there could be re-exploited over and over again the same groups over and over right. again those yeah. who are, don't have the power
2: Hmm. imagine that
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so it's like yeah. you said it starts at home right like the there's this thing that you i i didn't experience this but a lot of homes uh you know experience it where there's like a rite of passage and You know, kids nowadays when they're trying to travel um, either out of the country or they're trying to experience something, one place that I know it happens and I know it happens everywhere else is Amsterdam, right? Mm -hmm. Like they go to Amsterdam and they get into this uh, brothel and they they experience sex for the first time, you know, but it's the mentality, one who told them to do that, who taught them to do that. That's right. How How did that start?
2: Well, one, they don't have to go far because we got a red light district right in Houston, Texas. so, And that's Bissonette. Um, but yeah, you're right. And it's about talking about these things in, in male spaces, right? This to- toxic masculinity. And I share that a lot, um, you know, and educate, you know, different individuals on, um, you know, college campuses and stuff like that it's about being um what it means to be a man and and the messages that we're sending our boys oh boys will be boys you know all those messages that we send to, to men but not only is it harming you know the women and, it, and it's per, you know fueling violence against women because this is what this is about out of all the data that i put pulled for texas in arrests almost all the buyers were men 96 percent were men 96 percent
0: that's huge, ninety six percent. Wow,
2: right? And almost all the women arrested, not all, but a, lo- a vast majority of them, seventy six percent were women. Wow, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that, with, but with that being said, it's like, what can we do? It's like have a backbone, like stop the locker room talk. If you hear men, you know, saying, you know, talking about that fine cheerleader, you know, Dallas, whatever Dallas Cowboys. You know, hold people accountable. Like this is not okay to treat. It's not okay to objectify women.
1: Yeah. Right. It's not okay to objectify anyone.
2: Anyone. Period. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. But all the violence, for the most part, against women is by men. This is men's violence on women.
0: hmm So as a so. man, I, I just got to say it to all yeah. men out there. Do you hear that? Right. Do you hear that? Where it happens, you know, someone says, you know, a joke, and it, it's you think it's uh, innocent, an innocent, you know, dirty joke that no other women heard or no one else heard so it doesn't hurt them because they didn't hear it but the reality is that it, it goes back to that mentality where are you at right. where, where's your heart at where's your mind at? to be able to say that joke but then also laugh at that joke right
2: exactly and not hold that person accountable mm-hmm. but too i mean the other thing that i see that really bothers me is we're glorifying pimp culture right so i'm walking down the street the other day and i have hear a 12 year old talking about how he's gonna pimp out his phone do you know what that is kid you know what I mean? Like, well, what? There was an MTV show pimping out my ride.
0: Yep, my house pimping out my heck? house and all that. Yeah,
2: the, we're that's glorifying society, yeah. pimp culture. Don't get me wrong. I have banged some Tupac and I banged, you know, some some other, you know, actual pimps. You know, like Snoop Dogg or or you know, Pimp C and all that stuff. Um, you know, Fifty Cent who was a pimp in, mm-hmm. and I've listened to it. But then when I break it down with the girls in my group, what are the, what is he actually really saying here? It's abuse and violence yeah. and control of women.
0: We should just get rid of that word, right? right? Completely out of our vocabulary.
2: But one thing we don't talk about is why these men are pimp. Yeah. Why are they trafficking women? We're not talking about they don't have the socioeconomic stuff, right, for the mm-hmm. most part. Now, granted, there there have been other, anybody can be a pimp, right? It can be a mother. It can be a father. It can be a brother. It can be a policeman. It can be MS. It could be a freaking high school student that's a cheerleader that's been convicted of trafficking. It could be me because I traffic people. Right, but you know, I mean, these are the things. Why is this happening?
1: Right, and where's the economic opportunities that drove them towards that lifestyle? Or not that I'm on
2: their side by any means, but these this is the culture that we're building and creating.
1: Right, a culture where a young man who doesn't have the economic opportunities, (laughs) exactly, who sees bad things happening to his mom, right, he doesn't have a positive male role model, exactly, can then grow up saying, you know what? I've heard all this locker room talk, right? About girls being whores and girls being right. this and that. Why as well make make some money? Girls like me, I'm attractive. Girls like me, I might as well right. make some money and set up dates, right? And then they're in that world,
2: right? Exactly, exactly.
0: Yep. And then you you hear people in power talk like that too, and and so people that
2: they're role models are mm-hmm. pen, rapping about it. Yeah, that, those are their role models.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not yeah. just the rappers; it's, no, it's not. Yeah. the message comes from, you know, sports figures that exactly. that mistreat on video mistreat women, mm-hmm. and they're still glorified. We've mm-hmm. got uh, politicians that. Are prosecuted for mistreating women, yet they're still reelected to those same positions yeah. after being prosecuted.
2: Yeah, and probably going to the strip club when they get off that night. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: I so. mean, that's that's a known fact. That that's a really that the reason why the strip clubs offer the lunchtime specials that they have the, the buffets going at lunch oh, with, like steak eat. dinners. Yeah, <laughs> is because they're they're advertising and getting in business professionals in their middle of the day. They're having a business meeting in a strip club.
2: Uh, yep, and that actually used to be. Entertaining individuals that come, say, to like large, you know, well, you
0: see uh, the movies. corporations. Yeah, you see in movies. Yeah,
2: I mean, like, that was part of entertainment, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, you're going to get your, them to buy clients. in. Yeah, yeah, your clients. You're going to take them, have take a good time, them? and then yeah.
1: have a good time. That's a take them out, have a good time, and get them to sign the contract. Right. Mm-hmm. Where we've given the message of it's okay. Yeah. As long as you're getting what you want. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And the other cultural norm that I see that is just, just just horrifying to me and it's like and we've come a long way so we're, we're starting to get to a point where we're not criminalizing children for prostitution right now they're being arrested we're not there yet they shouldn't even be arrested at all these are kids but all of a sudden you turn 18 and magically you're making this choice no you're not why is 18 the magic number no one should be for sale
1: or seventeen, in the state of Texas. Right,
2: or seventeen, and that's that's the other legislative piece that I'm working on is raising that age floor to eighteen. Right, so um, and, and we already know that most foster kids, um, you know, need these type of services all the way up to twenty six. Right, so why, you know, I mean, they're not their brain's not even fully
1: developed. Right, they they're so, and the fact is, is that a lot of these foster kids and kids, or even kids that aren't in the foster care system, they're stuck with that original trauma happened. Right. So they may be stuck at 11, 12, 13, 14.
2: And they're being re-traumatized. And they're being re-traumatized.
1: And and not just by the traffickers, not just by the buyers, but once they get into our criminal justice system, once they're sitting before a Mm -hmm. prosecutor or a defense attorney. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, Allie.
2: Well, and this is, and I won't say it on the juvenile side, uh, but I mean, I will say this on the adult side. We are... Using victims as a pawn to prosecute with, right? So, even traffickers, all, everything that is done to make a case for the most part against a trafficker hinges on the victim. And so, it's just inherently exploitive, right? They're being used, and I'm not saying that we don't need to prosecute traffickers, we don't need to prosecute buyers, but why is it at the expense of the emotional taxation of a victim? right so for example like say you give an opportunity to an individual that's been trafficked a chance to make their charge go away just just totally erase it but only only if you work with law enforcement and prosecutors to to uh put your trafficker away that is exploitive right that's almost like trafficking all over again right right you're not giving this an individual choice right and everything that you do hinges on that victims own abuse and victimization there's something inherently wrong with that
1: right and we allow that this this victim or that setting about because they're going to have to testify to be cross-examined by a defense attorney which who's, is
2: victimizing.
1: <laughs> who's literally going to call them horrible names right. and, and and call into the... Because that's the number one tactic The defense attorneys is right. to discredit the character of the witness.
2: Right. Right.
1: And you have someone who's already been beaten down, sitting on a stand... And afraid. Afraid. Being beaten down and being... And that's... They're, they're being told you're going to get right. beaten down.
2: Well, and the worst part about this is when we do all this stuff too, we offer zero protection once these victims have have actually testified against her traffic now granted if it's like a you know high profile case you know they might get you know relocated and all that stuff but the chances of you know funds going to actually you know change a person's name and relocate them on on so many levels is just not going to happen it would have to be a huge case right for that to take place so but these traffickers are not mythical boogeymen, right? So here you are—you have this individual because it's, you know, it's part of our rights, at least in the adult system, that you have to face your accuser, right? So when you have that person that's testifying against that trafficker, um, one, you know, that person might get six years, but they could definitely, definitely send some harm out from behind bars against your family or your loved ones,
0: right? Yeah, they have a huge amount of influence,
2: right? so and the more that the cartel and drugs are involved in all this the worse that's gonna get right
1: right as more as the gangs are involved Absolutely. and everything else right. they still have a far reach outside of prison
2: oh trust me they do trust right. me they do
1: right and so and as you said we offer very little i mean there is a crime victim compensation
2: that they can't hardly ever get
1: right they can't hardly ever get as trafficking victims
2: that they can hardly ever get right. for whatever reasons that money's tied up.
1: Well, a lot of times it's because of their prosecutions. Yeah, I know. A lot of times it's because of their <laughs> felony prosecutions that they can't get access crime victim compensation, yeah. even though the prosecutions came because they were being yeah <laughs>
0: exploited. Yeah,
2: good old oppression, right?
0: All right. So the components to start, <laughs> you know, changing. Is one our society is one our our homes our families our mentality Um, but the other part is what you talked about in our first episode is the legislation piece so it all it all comes together right there's changes that need to be made on a large scale in different parts to start making a positive impact on these people's lives
2: right and it starts with culture change yep
0: Yep, it starts with culture because change.
2: that's why we have broken homes. Mm-hmm. That's why we have broken families, broken systems, and all that leads to broken lives.
0: Yeah, and this is not to judge anyone that, um, you know, their family, for whatever reason, mom and dad didn't stay together or, or the family just didn't stay together. Things happen, right? Things sure happen right. in families, and they get um, broken up, but there's a, a big impact uh, on people's lives, and that's what sometimes uh, fuels um, this, this peace.
2: And it's not about making mistakes. We all make mistakes, Mm -hmm. right? It's what we do
0: afterwards. Yeah. Right. How we react Mm -hmm. to it. Yep. So we said a lot in today's, um, in this episode. And what I do want to say is that there may be some things that you may maybe don't agree with or they may be some things that you just didn't know about um but what we do on talk for freedom is we do talk uh, about the truth of things and so in this episode you hear a lot of things that are true and the the fact is that we have a lot of work to do when it comes to society uh societal norms we have a lot of work to do when it comes to legislation so that's why this podcast is important because we talk about the truth and so one thing i do i recommend our audience to do is share this share the podcast tell your friends tell your family tell uh, if you have a Facebook uh, Instagram follow uh, A21 Freedom Chasers on there follow Chuck Paul LLC um, share it tell people about what what's going on they can listen to this on their car at home um, while they're you know, at work, there's a whole bunch that you can do to spread the word on what really is going on, the truth behind, you know, uh, our society, the truth behind human trafficking and the, the impacts that it has. We appreciate you again, rate us on iTunes, Google Play, leave us your comments, your questions. And we're going to bring Ali back for another episode here next and uh, hope you have a good day. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you.